Thank you for joining. The mission of this podcast is to improve the quality of life for those affected by brain injury. We want to introduce you to traditional and cutting edge neurorehabilitation options so you can reach the highest recovery that's possible. Take control of your road to recovery. You own it. You can do this and we'll help you. My name is Candace Gant. I'm a traumatic brain injury survivor and founder of Mind Your Brain at Penn Medicine Conferences and the executive director of the Mind Your Brain Nonprofit Foundation. I'm also proud to be on the board of the Brain Injury Association of Pennsylvania. Today, my guest is Patty Andrich. She is an internationally honored occupational vision therapist, researcher, and author. She has known she is known worldwide for her success in treating children and adults with sensory and motor processing disorders. Patty received her master's degree from the Ohio State University College of Education and her occupational therapy degree from the Cleveland State University Department of Health Sciences. Additionally, Patty holds certification in vision therapy, auditory processing, primitive reflex integration, and neurofeedback. Patty received her certification in vision therapy from the College of Optometry in Vision Development. Patty serves on several advisory boards relating to vision in the United States and in Asia. She's also a member of the Optometric Extension Program and the advisory member as and an advisory member of the Board of Neurooptometrics Rehabilitation Association, that's NORA, N-O-R-A, are the abbreviations, an interdisciplinary group of professionals dedicated to providing patients who have physical or cognitive disabilities as a result of the acquired brain injury and optimal vision rehabilitation services to improve their quality of life. So thank you, Patty. Thank you so much for joining Mind Your Brain today. Your resume is very impressive. I certainly enjoy what I do. That's for sure. Thanks for those kind words. I'm really honored to be part of your podcast, especially to talk about a topic that obviously I'm passionate about, um, but it's just so important to daily living because we use our eyes in everything we do. And even those people that have suffered a, a brain injury and have become blind, um, with you know very poor eyesight or cannot see with the, um, with their eyes, they are still seeing with their brains, and so it is very very important to really give the opportunity to put this out there for your listeners to know that there is help out there, and um, you know it, it's interesting over seventy percent of the human brain is actually dedicated to vision. So think about that. If any one area of the brain is damaged, with seventy percent of the brain having some sort of uh, input in the visual processing, there's gonna be an issue for someone. And 80% of all the sensory information is processed through the eyes. So that's our touch, our taste, um, knowing where we are in space, uh, you know, hearing, all of these sensory systems, 80% of those pathways are processed through the visual system. So we have a huge, uh, real estate, I guess, in the game of recovery from brain injury. Wow. Great statistics. Thank you for that. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So, you know, uh, you asked uh, about what um, optimal vision rehabilitation is uh, Mm -hmm. and, you know, 
where it starts. So optimal visual rehabilitation really begins with a comprehensive sensory motor evaluation, and that has to be um, done by a neurooptometrist. And that's really important that the person gets to the right eye doctor. Uh, so if we have, um, sometimes that we, you know, go to a, just a general doctor or we'll see an ophthalmologist, but the ophthalmologist is going to look at hardware and the neurooptometrist is going to look at the software of the brain. So it's important to like have both perspectives. Oh, I, I do. I appreciate that analogy. That's, that's terrific. The hardware and software. And so you are, you have certification in vision, vision therapy and auditory processing primitive reflex integration and neurofeedback. So do they all require different recovery strategies or are they somehow connected? Well, you know, we started all these different programs because our goal is to help individuals live comfortably with their visual system. And so for us, the uh, neurooptometrist will do the evaluation. They will prescribe any sort of lenses that or contacts um, that would be needed. And lenses could be uh, a different color to help filter out certain frequencies of light to make you feel comfortable. There could be some prisms to shift the perception of where an image is in space so that you can find and locate some things uh, more easily. The lenses might have certain patching where part of the visual system is patched because of um, too much disturbances. And that should be kind of a temporary thing. And that patching could be one eye, it could be both eyes, it could be a certain um, part of the eye. For example, it could be the upper field on the left eye and the lower field on the right eye. It just really depends. And that's why you need the neurooptometrist to really take a look of not just how well the hardware is intact, not, not just how the nerves are intact and is the eye intact, but what is the brain doing with that information? And where are the challenges for that person? And so that neurooptometrist really has a special skill set, special equipment um, to really evaluate, look at the person's behavior, their posture, their thinking, their even just how their their um, sympathetic and their parasympathetic systems respond to light. So it's really quite interesting to watch the neurooptometrist at work. I'll bet. I'll bet. Yeah, and so you know, I, you, we've got the auditory processing because the eyes are not just the only thing. The eyes are connected to the ears, right? Mm -hmm. So if you hear a sound, your ears have to function correctly. Right. So right. it's it's the same sort of thing. Like you would have uh, the hardware has to be checked by an audiologist to make sure that the hearing is all intact. Mm -hmm. um, but and that you can hear frequencies. That, that's very important. But then what do you do with it if there's some disturbances and you're not processing it? What if your eyes and your ears don't coordinate together? Then there's a mismatch. So you hear a sound and it's overwhelming. It's too loud. It's um, and then it, it doesn't make sense with what you're seeing because the neural signals are out of sequence. And so we want to get those eyes and those ears to work together properly. So we have a variety of tools that we use to, to get those eyes and the ears to work together again. And of course, that's going to affect your balance and your, your vestibular system because your vestibular system is your eyes and your ears uh, and your body all working in unison. So for us... Uh, when we do neurooptometry, we don't just deal with the visual system alone. Like there, 
it, you can. The brain is interconnected with these other things. And, and then you, when you mentioned primitive reflexes, it's a huge part of what we do because that's part of our vision therapy program as well, or our vision rehab program. So early in life, you have, you're born with a set of codes and neurological codes. And those neurological codes begin with our very, very first movements and their primitive reflexive movements that we don't control them. They just kind of happen kind of like your DNA. It just happened, right? Wow. Um, these primitive codes, they just happen in normal development and they stack up. So we can call these codes different things. We might call them a moral reflex or a tonic labyrinth reflex. They all, all these codes have names and these codes come into development at a certain time in life, certain um, months in utero, and then they um, perform their job. And when the codes are no longer needed, the brain has further developed and we don't need those codes anymore. So they're no longer active, but in a brain injury, because these codes are there in part for survival, those codes are reactivated later in life after a brain injury. And so if you have primitive codes, neurological codes that are very active, that's going to affect your emotions. It's going to um, affect your ability to um, stand mm -hmm. or focus your eyes or, you know, uh, just know where you are in space. So those codes are very important. So we, we're going to you know, work with those primitive reflexes, evaluate whether they're active and uh, to what extent they're interfering with normal daily function. And then we're going we're gonna to help those reintegrate. Um, or for some individuals, they never integrated in the first place. And after brain injury, it's even more obvious those earlier struggles that they had in life. Um, so for some people, we're integrating them for the first time, even though they're older people. Um, so yeah, so we're, we're doing all these different things, neurofeedback as well, just a, a way to help optimize brain brainwave activity, give some biofeedback of what's going on with the brain. And so the person can learn to relax and um, find, find brain frequencies that work for them. Sure, sure. So we're talking about the hardware. Let's talk a little bit about the software then, the processing disorders. And tell us then how, that, how you can improve that integration, how that connections are remade. Yeah, so in our therapy, we would look at what the neurooptometrist is telling us needs to happen. So we, we find out what the visual deficits are. Perhaps um, they're not finding midline. So that's the center of your body. And that's a really important thing. We learn our midline when we're infants and we're rolling around um, on the floor. We roll side to side. We learn where the center of our body is from left and right um, and up and down. And so we might need to do some exercises because our midline is distorted, our sense of midline is distorted. The neurooptometrist can help us find that midline through some of their optical uh, tricks that they do with the, the prisms or the right prescription or changing the, uh, the tint of the light entering your eye. And then they're gonna make sure that when you're doing that exercise, whatever the exercise is, perhaps it's, perhaps it's tracking a, a moving object. So just taking like a pen from left to right in front of you, uh, perhaps it's, it's doing that, but we're gonna make sure that we're processing that information. So we wanna know where is this pen in space? How far away is it from you? Put a number to it, is it six inches? 
two inches. Is yeah. It? Yeah. yeah. So we're working with perception. And we might even add sound to that pen. So we might click the pen. And can you localize it? So now our eyes and our ears have to work together. We might do this with our eyes closed. We might even put a prism over the eyes when the eyes are closed, because even though our eyesight isn't turned on so much, our vision is still very powerful. So even part of our neural pathways are still processing vision, even with your eyes shut. So, so we might even use prisms with the eyes closed or um, different, just very different techniques. And then we might even throw in a little bit of cognition with mm -hmm. that, asking questions. We might bring in the sense of olfactory. So instead of a pen, we might uh, peel an orange. And so you get that scent of the orange. Mm -hmm. What is that? Um, or a scent of a banana or something else. And as we're tracking, we've got to figure out what that is. So we're bringing cognition, we're bringing multi-sensory approach, and then we're bringing meaning. Well, okay, if it's a banana, what do you do with a banana? You eat it, yeah. right? Well, you can't assume that. After a brain injury, it's, you know, it's like taking a puzzle box of, full of puzzle pieces, shaking it up and throwing it on the floor. And what seems so simple and obvious to the world around us is not so simple. And we really have to put it back together. So we take very small steps, um, making sure that we can digest the therapy so that we aren't overloaded um, and that we're not doing the right, wrong thing at the wrong time. Right, right. And I'm sure the sequence of all that is important as well. Yes. And, and again, that's why, uh, again, I'm so glad you brought this topic to the forefront and how powerful neurooptometry is, because there, there are a lot of cases out there where the neurooptometrist is not involved in the rehab team. And so we have therapists that are doing their best, but they don't necessarily know what the right thing to do is at the right time, or they don't have those optometric tools of lenses and that prescribing power to just really get the light to focus at the right spot on the retina so that the light is not disturbing to the person. So very, very important that you get that uh, neurooptometric uh, specialist available for, for the rehab. Mm -hmm. and, and do it first. So and do it as soon as possible to develop your right. rehabilitation. Because why suffer? Why yeah. suffer day right. day in and day out when you've got, like I said, over seventy percent of the brain dedicated to vision, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. yeah so exactly. Uh, and so, Patty, I understand that you're a founder of Reflect Foundation program. Tell us all about that and what you do. Oh yeah. So that that's one of my. Um, biggest passions is really, I, I kind of stumbled on it through optometry. I'm not an optometrist, but my husband is the behavioral optometrist in our practice. And so is my sister-in-law. So we're family practice. Mm -hmm. But when I was uh, evaluating, I started off evaluating children. And when I was evaluating uh, what we thought was typically developing children, we found out that their eyes weren't working so well. And that that was why they had to reread things several times before they comprehended it. Sure. And so I went on the path of why, why is this, you know, young child struggling so well, but they're so smart, you know, yeah. why, why, why? And that's when I discovered the um, primitive reflexes being the beginning of all of our sensory and motor skills. And then I took a deep dive, a really deep dive into uh, how do primitive reflexes occur at what 
sequence through the curve and what does it mean? Who cares if this, uh, let's say palmer reflex is, is active? Well, palmer reflex is when you uh, touch the hand, the hand wants to grasp or move. Yeah. Well, yeah, and that happens after after brain injury. That happens sometimes. You touch and you're really what we call tactile defensive, and you and you withdraw, right? So why is that important? Well, that's going to affect handwriting. That's going to affect put, getting dressed in the morning, putting away your dishes, reaching for a glass. So all of these all these things uh, happen. So I went to as many experts as I could find around the world, and. Uh, really started learning about different programs out there and created my own program that takes vision and auditory into the mix, but not just any, not just, okay, we're going to track. I want the neurooptometrist involved. So we're going to have a real clear uh, idea of what the visual system needs. And we're going to do kind of vision training while we're working on the primitive reflexes, while we're working on the auditory system. So that we're not put in thrown into this world of fear and, and overstimulation, but that we're put into a, a beautiful uh, nurturing environment to help the brain slowly make a new connection or reconnect those different visual processes with the um, sensory and the body systems. So I did create this uh, program. I am looking for actually a name. I'm trying to get it uh, registered and trademarked. Uh, so uh, it is a, our Reflex Foundations program and it is the beginning of all the skills. If you imagine a, I have a Jenga tower. I usually do display it's, it's sort of a Jenga tower. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't have the rights to use that name. But if you can just visualize the game of Jenga, well, if you take a tower of those blocks and you go to the bottom blocks, the very one, uh, the very lower part, and we'll call that the beginning of our nervous system, and you just take one of those blocks out because that block is now disturbed or it's not functioning well, what happens to the rest of that tower? It becomes unstable. It can unstable. fall over. Yeah. And so if I want vision to work, which is so high level, it's at the very top of the tower. If I want language to work so that we can talk about what we see and express what we're um, what we're thinking, then I'm going to have to go down to that foundation and I'm going to have to find that block and put it in place, uh, support it, make sure it's functioning well. And then the whole tower is stabilized. And then uh, people uh, will tell me their speaking is better. Their listening is better. They're not sensory overwhelmed. Their headaches are reduced. Um, they know where they are in space and they just feel com more comfortable in life. So that's my Reflex Foundations program. Uh, it is a primitive reflex based with vision and auditory as a huge uh, part. And the goal is comfortable vision. That's, that's fabulous. I, I just am so excited about this. Uh, and uh, thank you for, so much for your work in this area. And so what does healing look like? Since this is, I think this is a calling for you. As uh, <laughs> So what does healing look like for these, for your patients? Uh, healing looks like I love myself again. Mm -hmm. Healing looks like I respect myself and I'm grateful for the opportunity to wake up today. Healing looks like I can go outside and not be bothered by the sunshine, but enjoy its warmth. It looks like I can talk to a friend and not hide my sufferings. No. 
Yeah, yeah. this is terrific. Uh, um, it warms my heart. Just to, <laughs> I hear hope. That's what I hear. And so, Patty, tell us what words of encouragement can you give to our audience? Because we're at different stages, everyone that's listening, and some are at the beginning of their journey and some are just so frustrated. What do you tell? What can you, what can you share with the audience that will motivate them to move forward on their journey? Well, I would say that go out and you have to become your your own advocate. You know, I always tell people, especially my own children, the, the world is, they're ready to knock you down every day. It's going to knock you down and you got to get back up and you can't let the world push you over. You also can't let all, let all these experts push you over, right? You need to find yeah, experts right. that listen, that listen because your symptoms are real to you, even if there's not a test that identifies it. So tests only measure what the tests are designed to measure and clinicians that just look at tests and don't look at a person and don't listen to the person, they're going to miss out on the valuable clues that the person is telling us um, that, that will help them to recover. So for example, I had a, um, a client of mine, uh, I, I like to call my patients clients. So <laughs> just because I, you know what, they're not always sick. They're, they're dealing with issues. Every, we all have our own issues and they're dealing with their own issues. So I had this client come in and she, after her first session, uh, sent me an email saying, I want to stop therapy. I was overwhelmed um, and I, I don't want to go further. And I said, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for telling me. Because when, when a person goes in for their therapy or their doctor's appointment, they put on their best face. They, they do everything they can to just get there. And then to not break down while they're in front of the doctor or the therapist and, the, and to do their best. So sometimes they're hiding so what true. we really need to see. Yeah. And so I said, thank you so much for that. And for the willingness to talk about it, because so many people are not They're They're just going to go. It's all my fault. It's me with the problem. Mm -hmm. And that's not necessarily true. A lot of it is communication. So if you could just communicate to your doctors and therapists and your team of, of helpers out there, what's really happening. So it, it turned out that my, um, my building had that I was in had large windows. Well, fine. We will close them. We'll close the blinds. It's not a problem. Uh, it also had um, it also had a restaurant associated with it, and so there was a sense of smell that was overwhelming. Oh. So you know, we we changed we we looked at um, different aromas that she was okay with, and we made sure that those were in the room when she was in the room. Uh, you know, there was vibration in on the floor of the because it was a tall building that she could sense and you know everybody else just ignores but she could sense it and that was overwhelming to her so we you know we took steps to put weights um on, around her ankles so she could feel secure we did a lot of visualization before she even went in um to the the building and so she kind of prepped herself for what she was going to experience. And we mitigated as many of those sensory issues as she had. And it was no problem. She ended up coming for over a year of therapy and changed her life completely. Um, so it went back to, to doing the things that she loved to do, including driving um, and gardening and things like that. So really communication, but find people that will listen because I tell my clients, I have ears. I'm here to listen. I have eyes. I can see what you're not telling me. So um, we're going to have that communication. So that's that's a big um, a big thing for people to realize is you have a voice, and 
I have ears. <laughs> so use your voice. Um, and for those of you out there that are having trouble with your speech, I want you to know that vision is highly correlated with speech. So getting that visual system to work for you is likely to improve your ability to communicate verbally again. Um, so don't give up. And uh, those of you that are listening out there that are maybe family members, there are several books out on the market that really kind of give you an idea of what somebody is experiencing. One of my favorites, and there, there are many, but one of my um, favorites is called The Ghost in My Brain. And if you haven't read that, um, that book, it really shows you, it's written by um, an individual who has, um, has sustained a, a a brain injury actually from a motor vehicle accident that was relatively small, but the, um, the outcome in disruption of function was huge. So uh, The Ghost in My Brain is an excellent book. Uh, and I, I encourage all the listeners to read it. It's by Clark Elliott. Um, it also highlights one of my peers, um, uh, Dr. Deborah Zielinski, who's a neurooptometrist, and she goes into that uh, a little bit more about how the eyes and the ears function together with the body. So um, I really encourage you to share books, uh, stories, and keep talking and share because there are so many people that are, don't need to suffer anymore. They can get the help. And there are people out there like ourselves that are uh, wake up every day inspired to, to make a difference in the world. And you are. Uh, I'm, I'm so pleased to talk with you today. And I would recommend there's one question I wanted to ask, and that is about what they can do at home. But I think what we've learned today is they need to call either your office or a neuropsychologist, a neuro um, ophthalmologist. And there's lots of resources and there's lots of exciting yeah. research that can prove that there's recovery to some of the challenges that they have. So, yeah. Yeah, so a neuro, actually, I, want, I would like to make that differentiation. A neuro-ophthalmologist is going to look at the hardware, mm -hmm. and a neuro-optometrist is going to look at the software and how you function in daily life. And so it's very important to, to see uh, both and to get the perspective of both. And the neuro-optometrist is likely to give more of a, a therapeutic intervention, um, where the neuro-ophthalmologist is more likely to do like any kind of surgical uh, needs that a person would have. So thank you for um, that distinction. That's great. Yeah, and yeah. no problem. And I would like to give one tip though. One, one thing that everybody can do, uh, which is a foundation, the very first thing that we have to do when we are born is breathe. And so after a brain injury, uh, it, this is uh, something that is very much disturbed is our breathing. So work on your breathing. There are many different breathing programs out there. Work mm -hmm. on breathing, visualize to the best of your ability what success looks like to you and you will you will get along the journey that you need to get to to help yourself recover so if you want more information about my office um i you can go to sensoryfocus.com and i'd like to give you the website uh, for nora the um, neuro optometric vision rehabilitation association which helps uh people with brain injury and supports doctors who are uh, interested in supporting individuals with brain injury. So uh, that is 
Nora, N-O-R-A-V-I-S-I-O-N-R-E-H-A-B.org, noravisionrehab.org, and you'll find some information and some help there as well. I want to say thank you to Madison, who uh, initially reached out to me to invite me to the podcast, and Candice for all your work, your life dedication to this group. Um, for the Mind Your Brain Foundation for starting that to helping so many people to give them all hope um, and keep doing what you're doing and let's do it together and then together we can focus on a brighter future. I, I'm so thankful that you took the time. I know you have a very busy practice and some of those links and that information you've given us will be posted uh, in the description of this podcast. So if you missed it and you didn't write quick enough, which often is my challenge, then you'll have that information in the details of this podcast. And uh, to everyone, please subscribe to our podcast and share it with others. There are millions that are still struggling that you could help by providing this information. You can be a partner with us, as Patty suggested, and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and please leave us a message. We would also like to hear from you. If you email us a recommendation for a future podcast to info at mindyourbrainfoundation.org, we'll send you a gift because we want to hear from you. So please don't forget to include your address in the email. And to everyone out there, thank you for joining us. Here's my virtual hug. You are not invisible to us.